People say the Premier League is impossible to predict, but this podcast is here to help. We're working with InfoGold to take a look at the numbers for each and every one of the Premier League fixtures this season. If you're looking to find value in the markets, data can be the key. Welcome to Premier League Insights. Hello and welcome again to Premier League Insights, the podcast that helps you analyse all the upcoming Premier League fixtures and find value in the betting markets. We missed last week due to illness on my behalf, I'm back to full fitness and joined by a man who's always fit, ready and raring to go, it's Jake Osgathorpe from InfoGoal. Hi Ben, yeah I'm definitely raring to go, I'm not so sure about the fit part. Yeah I mean we've got an interesting week this week, I think we're just talking a little bit off air, there's a lot of relegation contenders to talk about and some some interesting games at the top of the table as well so should be a good one our first game of the week is Norwich versus Leicester and it seems like the the fate of these two teams is already pretty much known I mean I'd I'd personally be surprised if Norwich managed to stay up and and Leicester didn't end up in the Champions League spot however I guess a win for Norwich here and and everything could be up in the air again if they are to get a win they're gonna have to play better than they did against Wolves they they barely threatened the Wolves' goal. They gave up 3.32 xG to the home side. I think it is worth noting that almost one whole expected goal from that was Jimenez booting the ball in from one yard out. But um, as for Leicester, they, they're coming into this one after a tough tough fixture against Manchester City. Almost held out for the draw, but a, the final result was really a fair reflection of the game in the end. Um, it's a good chance for them to get back to winning ways. The odds reflect that, that Leicester are at at 1.769, have a 55% chance of the win. Is Info goal in line with that? Do you think there's more chance of an upset or, or should Leicester be an even shorter price? No, we've, we've got that exactly the same, 55% of a Leicester win. Um, yeah, Marky's got this priced up very accurately. Obviously, like you said, we sort of know the destiny of the two teams. Norwich are, you know, they've been adrift for some time now. Seven points they are from safety. So it's not, it's not beyond the realms of possibility that they could put a couple of wins together and get right back in the mix. But um, like you said, the performances we've seen of late have shown that that is probably unlikely to happen um, with obviously the only bright spot, uh, bright spots being coming against the two teams that are sort of in and around them. Um, obviously Bournemouth, they were, they beat them in uh, at home and then against Newcastle, they were really unfortunate not to get three points. So um, they've shown glimpses, but this is not the sort of game that they've, they've performed well in this season. Obviously they're, they're at home, the mind goes straight to the the Manchester City victory. But apart from that, they've been pretty poor. Um, they were tried to play uh, play stubborn against Liverpool, but ultimately just ended up crumbling under the pressure. And, and, it, and it was a, only a matter of time before Liverpool got the win in the last home game. And as you said, last week against Wolves, they pretty much just rolled over. Um, Wolves were utterly dominant. And I, I can see something similar happening here. Um, over the course of the season, they are unfortunate to find themselves rock bottom of the table, Norwich. They rank 16th in our expected goals table. Um, but the process has been poor, defensively especially, allowing over two expected goals per game. So not giving them too much hope of getting a result in this one. Um, as for Leicester, their form has taken a uh, you know a, re- a real dip recently. Obviously, the fixture list has been, uh, has been tough on them. Um, playing against Manchester City last week. Wolves the week before that and Chelsea the week before that. So effectively, um, three of Infogol's top four, um, according to our expected goals table. And, and, you know, they've picked up just one win in the last six. So there are some question marks raising around Leicester in terms of whether they can be caught. I think the gap at the minute is is nine points down to Manchester United, 10 to Tottenham. Uh, obviously, with Manchester City's impending European ban, it could end up being fifth place that gets the Champions League spot. So, um you know, they're in a comfortable position. I think they've got some favourable fixtures coming up as well, but they need to get back to winning ways. And what we've seen recently has been, um, you know, it's been it's been poor, to be honest, you know, especially in attack against Wolves. They didn't create anything really, 0.69 expected goals. Um, and against Manchester City, they had just the one big chance from Jamie Vardy, who, who hit the post when he was put through one-on-one. And then after that, Manchester City just utterly dominated and uh, rightly got, got the three points. So we, we need to see an improvement from Leicester. Um, that that is for sure. Defensively, also we need to see an improvement. They have gone off the boil recently, conceding good chances um, on a on a more regular basis. So yeah, 
it, you know, Leicester have got something to prove. It's a Friday night game. They've got the big stage themselves to, to lay down a marker and just basically tell the rest of the teams that you're not going to catch us. Like I said, we're pretty much in line with the market. 55% chance of a Leicester win. Um, in terms of uh, in terms of value, we're looking at the goals market. We think there's going to be it's going to be a high scoring game this time. Um, 59% chance of over two and a half. Uh, but you know the bet I, I quite like is both teams to score. I think Norwich have got to play on the front foot. Leicester have shown that they, they can be vulnerable, um, especially recently. And we're we're at 61% chance of both teams to score, and that's around 60% on the market. So there's a small amount of value there. But other than that, the market's got this one priced up. Uh, as we would have expected. Yeah, and as you said there, I mean, the trouble for Leicester is it seems like it's not one particular issue. They they were really good at the back early on in the season. That seems to have gone away a little bit recently. And the other big thing that people are going to be talking about is obviously Jamie Vardy, bit of a barren run at the moment. Do you think there is any reason to panic, is it? This is obviously a bad time to, to have a, a poor run of form and with those below them beginning to pick up some steam. How confident are you of Leicester holding on to that that top four spot? Um, very confident. I think, like I said, they've got a kind uh, little kind run of fixtures coming up. Obviously, you've got Norwich. They play Aston Villa at home in the next Premier League match. Then they go to Watford and then they host Brighton. So there's four games there. Um, and to be honest, if they, if they pick up fewer than nine points, I would say from those games, then I'd start to be a little bit worried. But the other thing to um, that, that is in their favour, obviously, is, is the, the amount of teams that are chasing chasing them down and. Uh, and how closely matched all those teams are below them, um, which means that they're obviously going to take points off each other. This weekend, we've got prime example. You've got Manchester United and Everton playing, um, and Tottenham and Wolves playing. So it's you know two of those teams, maybe all four of those teams are going to drop points. You know, both end up in a draw. So um, they've got that in their favour. Um, and like I said, it, the fixtures are, are pretty kind coming up. They've got a tough end to the season, but um, I think they'll do enough just to to edge in. Whether they finish in third or, or fourth is is the the other question, but um, like you said, the main issue at the minute is the uh, is the lack of goals for James Vardy. But that that was expected, really, given um, how hot he started the season. Um, he's been sat on seventeen goals for what feels like forever um, in this this Premier League season. So, uh, but you know, like I wrote an article when he hit seventeen goals, and I think he was on about nine expected goals. So he was running extremely hot, and um, that was never going to be sustainable over the course of the season. That's what uh, what we've seen. Has happened really, and they've just got to keep giving him the ball in the right positions, getting him on the end of high quality chances, and uh, you know sooner or later he will start hitting the back of the net because you know, he keeps getting the chances. Like I said, the, the game against Manchester City, he had a really big one on one earlier on in the season. He might have put that away when he's joined his hot streak, but at the minute he's, he's stone cold. So yeah, just keep feeding him the ball, keep giving him the chances. I think given Norwich's um, openness defensively. And you know the Liverpool goal came for a ball, a ball over the top in the last home game. There's every chance that Vardy can uh, will be Leicester's main threat once again and, and and get on the score sheet and end this drought. Right now we'll move on to Brighton versus Crystal Palace, and we've got two teams here that I mean both of them look clear of any trouble um, earlier on in the season, but have had some a poor run of performances. Results beginning to maybe worry the supporters, obviously. Palace got a deserved win against Newcastle to ease those concerns, while Brighton managed a hard-fought draw against Sheffield United when they were, I mean, they're probably second best and, and maybe could have a case could be made for the Sheffield United win being the fair result. But Brighton seem to be much better when they're playing at home. They have been a bit unfortunate this season in terms of the, the season as a whole and their position in the table. The odds suggest that they should get the win here and maybe put a little bit of daylight between themselves and the bottom three. They've got a, a 46% chance of getting the win. So what are your thoughts on this fixture? Yeah, it's um, it's an interesting game. Obviously, it, it, they call it a derby in, in these parts. Uh, M23 derby, if I'm, if I'm correct. So there's a little bit of needle between the two teams, um, which will add, you know, obviously the, the fact that both teams have been sort of out of form will add a little bit more to that. They're both desperate for the points. Um yeah, in terms of the actual game and the outcome, we do think Brighton are the better of the teams, and we do think that they will they will get the win. And there's value in backing them. But um, you know, like you said, they were fortunate to get a point at Sheffield United. They had conceded uh, two expected goals in that game, um, and you know that 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 means they're now seven without a win. They have only lost two of those though, so they, they've you know they've, they've shown they've got a bit of a backbone. They're tough to break down and, and tough to beat. But you know, you look at the last uh, or the four games prior to the Sheffield United match and. They played Villa, Bournemouth, West Ham, and Watford teams in and around them, and they only picked up three points from that run, which is 
probably disappointing really for for Graham Potter. I think he would have expected more and probably wanted more. Um, was you know even one win from turning one of those draws into a win would have put them you know, comfortably clear of the drop zone at this stage. So they put pressure on themselves. Um, but you know that, like you said, they're, they're stronger at home. The best performances this season have come uh, at the Amex and. Even against Villa and Watford in the last two home games, they were very unfortunate not to get the three points. What what I would say is um, what we've seen from them in recent weeks has been Graham Potter trying to keep things a little bit tighter, trying to play more Chris Hewton-like, especially in that second half against Sheffield United, um, in which they did just batten down the hatches and, and try and get the um, uh, get the point. Turns out could be a good point. You know, at the end of the season, they have. The fact that they're not losing points and dropping points is, is the is the main thing. They are four points clear at the minute, so they've got a cushion. Um, but yeah, a win here would be massive. And given West Ham obviously uh, playing Southampton, Villa aren't playing this weekend, they, they're going to have a comfortable cushion if they get the three points. Um, and I think it's also a massive three points or a massive game given the, the fixtures that they've got coming up, right? And they play Wolves away next. Uh, then they've got Arsenal, Leicester and Manchester United before playing uh, Norwich and then Liverpool and Man City. So they've got you know, really tough schedule coming up. So this this is a huge game and, and probably could be crucial in their season. But um, as you said, they're very unfortunate to be in and around a relegation battle at this stage. They sit 10th in our expected goals table. Um, the process is, is is okay. It's not fantastic, but it's definitely an improvement on last season, especially in attack where they're, they're averaging 1.54 expected goals for per game. Um, they're creating chances comfortably um, defensively. Like I said, the last two home games have been pretty impressive at the back. They've conceded just 1.4 um, expected goals against in those two matches. Crystal Palace are another team that really struggle going forward. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see Brighton keep a clean sheet here. But Crystal Palace have been woeful all season in the attacking areas, averaging just 1.08 expected goals for per game, which is the second lowest or the second worst attacking output um, according to expected goals in the Premier League. Comfortable and deserved win against Newcastle last time out. But as we keep saying, Newcastle do rank as the worst team in the Premier League on expected goals. So um, while on the face of it, that's a really good win. You know, Looking at it from the expected goals point of view, it's a game that they should have won and, uh, and they did win. Before that, though, they'd looked really poor. Like I said, in, in attack, they're not creating too much. And defensively, they, they, they do look vulnerable against the better teams. And I do see Brighton as one of the better teams, especially at the Amex, in, in terms of being able to create chances um, and open the teams up. Um, and that's why we're, we're, we've fallen on the, on the Brighton win. We, we're calculating a 53% chance of, of, a, of a home win. Market's around 50%, so there's, there's a decent small amount of value there. Um, but we also think there's going to be goals in this one. I know that historically this game has been quite a low-scoring affair, quite a few nil-nils, and um, I think it was a, a 2-0 last season. Um, but we are think, think there's going to be goals. I think part of this is due to the value because the goal line is so low in this game. Uh, you're looking at 44% chance of over two and a half goals on the market, which is, um, you know, incredibly low, really. Um, but the last three meetings have seen uh, both teams to score. Brighton have actually won two of the last three, which is is quite interesting. And they obviously got a point in the reverse fixture, a game in which they should have won. They were much the better team. So, you know, a decent bit of value is, is back in the both teams to score. We make that odds on at 54%. Uh, the market's at odds against 49%. And the overs, like I said, we're, we're 53% over two and a half. The market's 44%. So, you know, if you want if you want to steer clear of the of the 1x2 market, there is value in the goals, uh, in backing goals and getting on side with goals in this one. Yeah, as you said, their pinnacle drop down is a, a very low goals market, just two goals. No surprise to see action on the over when it's that low. One thing that potentially could explain that, and one thing I've maybe picked up on or, or noticed with Brighton is the... The tendency now for for Graham Potter to turn to Glenn Murray, and is that do you think almost this they're dropping further down the table? They're 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 getting closer to the bottom three. Does is he playing it safe? Is he trying to change tactics? What's what's going on there? Do you think? Um, I don't think he's playing safe. I think he's he's just changing the tactics. I think he he realised that against big you know tough physical teams that are um, that you're going to dominate the football. You actually do need a target man to play off. Um, I think last weekend against Sheffield United, he changed the system completely. He played a, th- a three at the back to match uh, match what Chris Wilder does and, and play more pie and Murray up front as a, as a two probably worked. Um, almost a big man, little man, a target man, and then someone just running in, in and around him. And it, it also, when you've got 
someone like that who can hold the ball up so well, it brings the other players into play, the midfielders that make the you know the runs forward. Um, I think it may be just a, a change of tactic. And obviously, we, we know that they've had issues taking the chances all season. Um, you know, they, they've only scored 32 goals this season. They should have scored closer to 42. Uh, according to expected goals, so ten shy of what what they would would be expected. So there's perhaps something in that where he thinks that obviously Murray's scored goals at this level. Um, he gets himself in good chance, uh, in good positions to score goals and convert chances. Maybe just it's an extra body up there, uh, an extra striker will uh, will make all the difference. And you know he's been vindicated. He scored a couple of goals when he's come in. Did he, did he score? Um, he scored one against West Ham, if I, if I remember rightly. To, to help them to a 3-3 draw. He, he always scores so, against West Ham, Jake. There you go, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I think there's definitely something in that. It gives them a little bit more, uh, or a different dynamic when you're playing against two rather than just the one. So, um, he always scores against uh, his former team, Crystal Palace, as well, if I remember rightly. So, um, you know, he may be an interesting one to to, to get on side for a goal scorer bet. Infogol's actually flagging him up as value at, uh, to score any time. So, you know, he, he definitely gives them something else. Right, now we'll move on to, to Bournemouth versus Chelsea. Already seemed like I'm repeating myself speaking about relegation contenders, but that, that probably just goes to show how close it is down the bottom. I mean, with Bournemouth, they were they're back to their woeful selves against Burnley, shall we say. Not not as bad as we've seen in attack, credit to them, 1.94 XG, but they gave up 3.27 to Burnley and, and rightly came away from Turf Moor without any points. We might not have a title race this season, but as I just said, we've got a fairly good relegation fight going on and a, a good few teams that are in the mix for the Champions League spot, whether that's fourth or fifth. As you said, we'll have to wait and see about that. But Chelsea are obviously the team that hold that fourth position, fully deserve to be there on the on the showing from the season as a whole. Had a bit of a rocky patch with about, I think it's four wins without a game before they went and dominated Tottenham and, and deserved that win. But it seems like most of the chasing pack behind them are now starting to get results as well. So they'll want another win at the weekend. They're obviously favourites to get the three points, but is there any value in taking them to get the win? There is. There's a small amount of value. We're 58% chance of, a, of, a, of an away win and the market's around 57. So it's very, very little. Um, we think this is priced up pretty accurately in terms of the 1x2. Um, obviously, like you said, Bournemouth are back to their usual selves in terms of creating a ton of chances and conceding even more, um, which is what we like to see. It's you know it's something we've been crying out for all season, and something we were scratching his heads at um, as to why all of a sudden the the you know the attacking process had dropped off. Um, but yeah, they're back to the usual ways. Obviously, the the VAR calls last week against Burnley were um, you know they were killer to Bournemouth, uh, to Bournemouth. getting a goal ruled out, um, and then having a, a you know a penalty given after you've just scored. <laughs> what would have been the equaliser you know it's a tough thing to stomach that and uh, and mentally to get over the that hurdle of that we just equalised and then actually no we didn't we're now two down so um you know a little bit feel, felt a little bit sorry for them but you know that's what VAR was brought in for to make those sorts of calls um and all, like you said ultimately they didn't defend well enough to deserve a point anyway conceding over three expected goals yeah the, what we're seeing from them is is exactly what we thought we would see all season long which is Conceding loads of chances, two uh, two point six against Brighton, one point eight against Villa, two point four against Sheffield United, and three point three against Burnley. So they are getting back to their defensive worst um, after a period of looking relatively stable. Um, you know their average season average is now up to one point nine two expected goals against per game. Um, but you know the, the attacking average is on the up as well. It's only at one point three four, but it was a lot lower than that a couple of weeks ago. So they are showing much more signs of life. Um, going forward, they're getting more out of um, Callum Wilson, Harry Wilson, obviously Josh King coming back into the fold now. Uh, he's a big player for them, so they're, they are they do pose a threat. And obviously, if you remember, this fixture last season ended up in a a four nil home win for Bournemouth, so they'll have good memories of, of of this fixture. And they obviously went to Stamford Bridge and beat Chelsea not so long ago. So in terms of a matchup, is is a it's probably one that they'll look at and think we've got a really good chance of getting something here, but. Unless they tighten up defensively, I can't see that happening because Chelsea are one of the better attacking teams in the league according to expected goals, creating over two expected goals per game. I thought they were excellent against Tottenham last week. Really impressed. They uh, made light work of, albeit a poor Tottenham team, but limited them very well um, as well as creating good chances themselves. And I think the reintroduction of uh, Olivier Giroud in, uh, in the absence of Tammy Abraham was 
you know, it's over, long overdue, but um, in the end, it, it worked out in, in Lampard's favour. And you know, it, to, for me, he's he if, if Abraham isn't fit, he has to play because Batchway is just not quite at that uh, top end Premier League level. As you said, the, the the race for the top four or five is um, you know it's hotting up. The teams below them are starting to look a little little bit more consistent. You've got Arsenal who are potentially back in the mix as well after a couple of uh, a couple of wins. So all of a sudden you've got seven points separating. 10th and 4th, which means that we're going to have a really good end to the season and in terms of looking for European qualification. But at the minute, like we said, Chelsea are rightly in the top four. They're, they're third in our expected goals table. Their main issue this season has been taking the chances. 44, 45 goals uh, scored, 56 expected goals. So, you know, they're, they're really underperformed in that area. And defensively as well, they've conceded 37. They would be expected to concede 32. So there's a um, a huge disparity between the you know their goal difference um, and their expected goal difference. So in terms of underlying process, it's very good. And if they keep doing what they're doing, then the results will start to come. Um, obviously, they're coming off the back of a, a bit of a beat in the in in Europe in midweek. But you know that this is a different game for them against a team that's very defensively weak. They can create plenty of good chances in this match. I'm sure of that. And um, as a result, we think the over two and a half goals is a is a decent value bet. Uh, we're calculating a 61% chance of, of that happening. Market's around 56%. Like I've said, there's a small amount of value in backing an away win. Um, and both teams' scores a small amount of value also, 59% compared to 58% on the market. So, um, you know, a high score in away win is, is where we're looking at. And like I said, the main bet, the main value bet is to get a side with over two and a half goals. Well, you just kind of touched upon it there and no disrespect to Bournemouth. They're not exactly a, a Bayern Munich, but... When when we get to these midweek European fixtures, are you reading anything into them? Because it always feels like people could say they, they go and lose a game and they get hammered and it's, oh, we're going to see a reaction from them. If they win the game, it's, oh, the, the confidence is high. They're going to come into the game with a lot of confidence. Like, is there, do you pay too much attention to the results between, say, Premier League, Champions League, Europa League, whatever it might be? Or, or is it just focus on performance from and, and data from the Premier League when you're analysing the fixtures? Um, well, well, yeah, it's, it's the latter. We're just focusing on the Premier League um, data, but obviously, when it comes to Europe, you've got, a, like you said, there's certain things in terms of confidence that you can't really quantify, and um, you know, and, and how much of a setback or you know, mentally, um, how much will it have affected Chelsea that that home hammering? You can't really quantify those sorts of things. And to be honest, I think Lampard will tell his players anyway that. This Bayern Munich team is way better than half, probably eighteen teams that we're going to face in the Premier League. So don't get too discouraged about the uh, about the result and focus on the positives, which was the really good performance against Tottenham. And um, yeah, I, I think if I think players have got short memories anyway, I don't think that they'll be hanging on to that result too too much in their mind. It's, it's wiped that onto the next game, and um, they'll be licking the lips at the thought of playing against this Bournemouth defence at the minute. Right, so Newcastle versus Burnley, another fixture, another team that we could label as a relegation contender in Newcastle. They've, they've been really, really poor all season and, and were it not for a few fortunate results, they would be a lot closer to the bottom than they already are. I think you mentioned it earlier, but I'm, I'm pretty sure InfoGoal has got them bottom by quite some way based on their, their underlying performance. They were awful against Crystal Palace and after seeing what Burnley did to Bournemouth, it's it's going to be hard to make a case for Steve Bruce's side here. I mean, I'm personally quite surprised to see Newcastle as the favourites for this at, at 2.67, giving them a 37% chance of victory. Seems generous to me. Does InfoGoal think there's value in Burnley for this one? Yeah, we've got massive value. Like like you, we, we're hugely surprised to see Newcastle favourites for this game. Um We've we've got it completely flipped. In fact, we've got it flipped plus twelve percent. So, I think on the market, Newcastle are about thirty-seven percent. We've got Burnley as forty-nine percent favourites for this game, um, which shows like basically we've got them at even money, and they're they're around um, nearly two to one on the market. So, um, you know that shows you just how how surprised we are, and how much we rate Burnley, and how much we don't rate Newcastle. And we've been banging the drum all season long about Newcastle and how how poor they have been and how fortunate they've been. Like I said, they sit rock bottom of our expected goals table. They've got the worst underlying process in the in the Premier League by a long, long way. They've got the worst attacking process. They're generating just 0.97 expected goals for per game. Uh, they're allowing over two expected goals per game. So an expected goal difference per game of minus 1.1, which is 
you know, like I said, it's the worst in the league. And if you're giving a team a 1.1 expected goal head start on average, then you, you should be losing more than you're winning. And um, somehow this season, Newcastle have been scraping points left and right. Um, they've hit a little bit of a brick wall recently, though, which is, um, you know, for anyone who did get on them at a big price to get relegated when things were looking good, you know, you're probably looking at this now and thinking, right, we're, we're going to get a run for his money because they've won just one of their last, uh, last nine league games, um, losing five of those. So there is, there's been a real tail off in terms of results. The game against Crystal Palace was a, you know, is one that, like, we, as in for goal, we didn't rate either of the teams too highly. Obviously, we had Newcastle as, as the worst team, and Crystal Palace should be worse um, than than what their position are worse than what the position suggests. Sorry. Um, but Newcastle got completely blown out of the water by Palace. Um, 0.25 expected goals created, which is a pathetic return. Um, and it's something we've seen very often from Newcastle, a real struggle to create and score goals. Uh, I think it's the negative tactics of Bruce and, and the fact that he doesn't commit bodies forward to get in and around Joel Linton and, and reliant on individual bits of quality from some Maximan or, or Almiron or Shelby has popped up with a few goals from time to time. And that is just, it's just not a sustainable way of playing. Um, and sooner or later, it's going to catch up with them. And, you know, bad looks at the results it already has. Um, and, you know, they've got a really tough game here against the Burnley side. They're absolutely flying at the minute. They are on an absolute tear in the Premier League. Four wins from five. Um, they beat Manchester United, beat Leicester, um, drawn with Arsenal in that time. They went to Southampton, who were in form, and beat them. Um, you know, they're, they're playing really well. They're getting good results in the process. Um, and, you know, that their underlying numbers are well, a fair reflection of where they should be in the table. So they've, they've actually underscored this season, which is quite a surprise. They've scored 33 times from chances equating to 40 expected goals. The process is really solid, 1.47, 1.57 expected goals for and expected goals against per game. So they're absolutely comfortably mid-table. They're in no threat of going down. And they're probably looking up and thinking that they could maybe sneak into, um, into a European place like they did a couple of years ago. What they are now, 37 points. They're only three points behind Sheffield United, who occupy seventh. Um, and, you know, it's very feasible that they can put on a little uh, late-season run. They've been playing really well recently. Like I said, they, they continue to be a really hard team to break down. But in terms of creating chances, they've, they've, um, their expected goals forward per game has, has really gone off the charts in the last uh, season and a half since last Christmas, where they were really struggling. So I, I think they'll cause Newcastle too many problems here. They'll, Newcastle won't know how to deal with this Burnley side. And... Um, like I said, we've got a huge amount of value in back in Burnley to win. Um, a ridiculous amount of value, really. It's a surprise, hugely surprised, like you said, that there's, that Burnley are actually second favourites for the game. Um, if you want a safer play, obviously back in Burnley or the draw um, at odds on would still be a huge amount of value. Um, but, you know, the other interesting angle, which, again, like we've discussed with the um, Brighton Crystal Palace game is the, the goals total is so low in this game. Forty-one uh, percent chance of over two and a half goals on the market, which is staggeringly low. Um, and given what Burnley have shown us in recent weeks, you know they, they went over two and a half against Leicester, they went over two and a half against Southampton, over two and a half against Bournemouth. Um, according to the expected goals total in the Arsenal game, that should have gone over two and a half as well. So, you know, if you want a, a, a real outside bet. Back in the over two and a half goals is, is huge value. We're at 56% chance of that happening compared to the 41% on the market. So, you know, the market suggests this is going to be tight and cagey, but the way Burnley have been playing at the minute, they've been very attack-minded and, um, you know, at some points they have left themselves wide open at the back. And that for that reason, I don't see why uh, why goals shouldn't be, uh, you know, at least a second bet to the Burnley to win. Yeah, definitely feel exactly the same. It, it has to jump out when you see that, that just the two on the, the goals market, whether it's an early one for Burnley to get the game going or or even if Newcastle got a goal, you you wouldn't put, put it past Burnley to get to get two or three given the way Newcastle played this season. So definitely one of interest to look at for betters, I think. Right, so now we've got West Ham versus Southampton, our fifth game, our sixth relegation contender to talk about. Another loss for West Ham against Liverpool. I, I don't think many were expecting a, a massive uplift in performances after Moyes came in, but any changes, as we talked about a little bit on the podcast, any change that we've seen on the pitch is, I mean, marginal at best. The results, they've just been as bad as ever. The narrative suggests that they gave Liverpool a good game, but I think most people watching knew it was it was just a matter of time before Klopp's side got that that second, third, and I mean it even looked like a, an inevitable fourth at one point. 
even when they were losing 2-1. As for Southampton, it wasn't long ago that they were actually below West Ham in the table and were looking doomed. Incredible run through late December and January, obviously got them out of danger. They're now looking up into the, the top half of the table. Stumbled a little bit recently, but they put in a good performance against Aston Villa and they'll probably be confident of another win here. The odds do have them as favourites at 2.59, just under 38% chance of win. I know you're a fan of them. I know InfoGo likes them. So is there, val- is there value in taking them to compound West Ham's misery? Absolutely, yeah. I'm sure you'll be happy to hear that. Um, yeah, we're, we're really strong. Similar to the, the Burnley game, we're, we're around even money for a Southampton win. We're giving them a 50% chance uh, of coming away with the three points. But obviously the difference in this game is that the bookmakers also make Southampton favourites. So it's not as much value as, as what we've got on the Burnley game, but we're, you know it's still very, very um, great. It's very good value. Fifty percent chance of an away win, thirty-seven percent on the market, and you know what? It, it's completely fair given both teams' recent performances and results, uh, or even across the whole season. Like you said, the um, you know the, there's been zero uplift in performances and results under David Moyes. Their um, you know their only win came against Bournemouth under, under him in his first match in charge, and that was a Bournemouth team that were. They were on a worse run of form than West Ham are right now, so you can't read too much into that that victory. Since then, five defeats, two draws, conceding over two expected goals in pretty much every single one of those matches. It hasn't been good for West Ham, and um, you know, the, like we said, there's there's not been any difference whatsoever from when Pellegrini was in charge. Um, I thought it was really interesting to hear David Moyes' comments after the, the Liverpool game, where he said that they were. Uh, he was really happy with how the team played against Manchester City in the in the midweek game. Um, and I looked at the expected goals total for the game and how can you be happy with having two shots equaling 0.08 expected goals? Um, I guess he's looking at it from a different angle in terms of the you know the goal difference, which it could come down to given how tight it is down there. But um, and then he said he was happy with the performance against Liverpool. Like like you said, the, the narrative was that Liverpool scraped through. But in terms of expected goals, West Ham scored twice from low probability chances and uh, and conceded two or three really big chances to Liverpool. Um, something they've been doing to or giving every single opponent that they played this season. Um, well, all that means that they are third from bottom. You're only one point from safety, which is you know quite staggering, really, given the, the poor run of form that they've been on. Um, but in terms of process, they are their attacking process is actually getting worse under Moyes. I think when um, Pellegrini left, it was about 1.5, and it's now down to 1.3 um, expected goals for per game. And defensively, they've actually got worse as well. So when Pellegrini left, they were at uh, just over two expected goals against per game. It's now up to 2.2. So um, you know it, it, Moyes has actually taken them backwards in terms of underlying process and underlying numbers and. Um, you know, the, you look at the fixtures, and this is a massive, massive game for West Ham. Uh, you know, the, after the Southampton game, they have to go to Arsenal. They play Wolves, then they have to go to Tottenham, and then they play Chelsea. So, in terms of opportunities to pick up points, this is the biggest one that they're probably going to have in the next five games. So, um, you know, if they if they want if they want to have any chance of staying up going into the last four or five weeks of the season, I think this is a massive, massive game. Um, against the Southampton team that have been really impressive all season long, and you know they, they've, they've, that little run that they've been on is put ten points between themselves and the relegation zone. And you know I think they're probably going to be safe anyway. But I think a win here would guarantee safety to take them onto thirty-seven points and put um, you know thirteen points between them and the drop zone. So plenty of incentive for them. As you said, they were they were excellent against um, against Aston Villa last time out. Created over three expected goals. Um, limited Aston Villa extremely well. You know that's an Aston Villa team that, that create on average 1.5 expected goals for per game. They limited them to just 0.4, so it was a really impressive uh, defensive display from Southampton, as well as being, you know, very very good on uh, going forward. Um, and you know that they've got a pretty decent record away from home. Obviously, everyone points at their at the home form and, and how poor that's been. But away from home, they've got the fifth best record in the league. They've fought, uh, six wins from 13. 20 points picked up in that time and the process has been pretty good, especially going forward. So, um, you know, again, they'll be they'll be licking their lips at the thoughts of playing this West Ham team. And I think for West Ham, they've been so reliant on Lucas Fabianski, um, saving shot after shot after shot, that it was only a matter of time before he let one uh, slip in through his fingers. And, and unfortunately, that came against, against Liverpool with the score at, at 2-1. So, 
they'll need him back to his very best in this match. But as I said, the, we're, we're really fancying a Southampton win. We also think there's going to be goals. 63% chance of over two and a half goals. Like I said, West Ham, worst, one of the worst defences in the, in, in the Premier League. Southampton are a very, very strong attack inside. Their underlying process is getting closer to um, to naught. Uh, At the minute, it's just at minus 0.08 expected goal difference per game. So they are, they're improving as the season goes on. They're getting better and better. Um, and, you know, they'll create chances against this West Ham team. Over two and a half goals and a Southampton win are the main value players in this one. Right, so now we've got Watford versus Liverpool, our sixth game, our seventh relegation contender with Watford. Um, like West Ham, they they currently occupy one of the bottom three spots, but unlike West Ham, they, they don't really deserve to be there. They weren't too bad under the previous managers and obviously didn't get the results that they needed. And, and that did change initially under Nigel Pearson with a few good wins and the performances have improved quite a bit as well, but they've also had a couple of games like the one against Manchester United where they've they've given up plenty of chances and not really created much. And obviously they, they can't afford many more like that if they are to stay up. Liverpool are just Liverpool. Talked about it just then. The scoreline looked close from the game against West Ham, but they limited them to 0.68 expected goals, created more than enough to deserve the win. They got the best defence in the league, second best attack. When you dig into the numbers in more detail, as as you have done and you've talked about on the pod, you've written some good articles on it. They they look even better than those those top level numbers suggest. They're they're going to win the league. I guess the big question is now: are they are they going to do it undefeated? What chance do you give Watford of ending Liverpool's unbeaten run? And is there any value in the one x two or the goals market for this one? Um, in terms of ending the unbeaten run, we give Watford a thirteen percent chance. So around what the market is is at as well. Um, 1x2 is priced up as we would expect, really. Pretty, you know, one-sided in Liverpool's favour, as pretty much every game has been this season. Um, you know, like you said, the, the big question really for us is, is when will they win the title? Um, obviously, they've got a nice 22-point cushion at the minute at the top of the table. Win this one, and obviously Manchester City don't play. That goes up to 25, and, you know, they could end up winning it as soon as Everton, depending on what Manchester City do. Uh, in the next couple of weeks. Watford, a really interesting team. Obviously, they, they had that really hot run under uh, Pearson when he first uh, came into the club, won four of his first six games, went unbeaten in that time. Um, that Sorry, that was after they, they'd lost to Liverpool in his first game. So, yeah, to see them winless in five is a bit of a surprise. And obviously, you look at some of the, the games that they've had, uh, Villa away, losing that one was quite a big one, but to the direct rival. Drawing with Brighton is not the worst result going. Um, but the performances have actually tailed off recently in, uh, in terms of both underlying numbers and obviously results. They're unfortunate not to beat Spurs five games ago um, and they're unfortunate to lose to Aston Villa. But since then, they were rightly beaten by Everton, should have lost to Brighton um, and they were comfortably beaten last time out by Manchester United. And in that time, they've created you know, very minimum chances, uh, 1.5 expected goals in those three matches, which is a really poor return for a Watford side that had been, uh, you know, they've been purring on the, on the Pearson and creating plenty of chances on a regular basis. And defensively, they've looked much more vulnerable than when he first joined as well. Uh, 1.86 against Tottenham, expected goals against, 1.43 against Villa, 2.82 against Everton, 1.1 against Brighton and 2.46 against Manchester United. So they're conceding a lot of good chances and, and creating very few in recent weeks. So, um, they are a team that I'm now worried about. I did say that when Pearson came in, I fancied them to stay up. They went on that great run, got themselves within touching distance because obviously they were way adrift when he first came in. Uh, but now that they've started falling backwards, if you like, but you know, there's so many teams embroiled in that battle that them falling backwards and picking up, was it two points from the last five matches, it actually hasn't put them in a worse position. They're, they're still only one point from safety. Um, you know, they've got some favourable fixtures coming up as well. Like, obviously, they've got Liverpool this weekend, but after that, they've got, um, you know, they've got Crystal Palace, Burnley, Southampton. Um, they've got Norwich and Newcastle both to play at home. So I, st- I still think that they will, or that they're probably best placed out of the teams down there to stay up. Um, but they're going to have to start putting a bit of a run together, uh, like they did when Pearson did come in. And they've got to stop this rot, really. Uh, especially. For me to think that they're going to have any chance of staying up, they've got to create more chances uh, more regularly than they have been doing in the last three matches. Um, obviously, this is a bit of a free hit because Liverpool are f- fully expected to get three points. They're running away with 
the league title. I think if Liverpool win here, they actually break Manchester City's winning uh, record of 18. So if they win here, that'd be uh, a record down. It will be the 19th straight win in, in the Premier League, which is ridiculous, really, when you think about it. And what are they now? 26 wins from 27 matches, 79 points. They've already picked up more points this season than Manchester United's treble winning team did um, back in 99. So, you know, th th what they're doing is unprecedented, really. And like you said, they're on raw underlying numbers, they're actually second best to Manchester City in, in terms of our expected goals table. When you delve a little bit deeper, you start to realise why they are where they are. Um, they're really good at limiting shot location. Um, take, put, you know, especially defensively, they've been excellent in terms of limiting their opponents. And, you know, it, we saw that against West Ham. Um, obviously, the, the, the major chance that West Ham had on Monday was the the Jared Bowen one-on-one -on -one, and Alisson did an exceptional job of coming out, narrowing the angle, uh, making himself big and those sorts of things are something that perhaps a, a lesser keeper wouldn't have done. Um, say a Simon Mignolet, for example. So, you know, they're just a, a really strong all-round team. Their, their attacking process is, is excellent. Mohamed Salah, Sadio Mane have been in real good form of late and, you know, it's really hard to suggest that this won't be another comfortable Liverpool win. Like I said, the market on 1x2 is pretty accurate, but we, we found a little bit of value in, in the goals market and um, well, specifically the over 2.5 goals. We're, we're given a 65% chance of seeing um, two or more, uh, sorry, over two and a half goals and the market's at 63%. So, you know, a, another high scoring Liverpool win is is what we're expecting, especially given Watford's recent defensive issues. So, yeah, that, that's the major play in this one. But I think it'll be an entertaining game either way. And, and most likely it'll be a, a 27th win out of 28 for Liverpool. Yeah, we mentioned there the incredible winning run, the unbeaten run. Has, has Infogold done any work on, on modelling their, their chances of getting unbeaten? Do you have any kind of personal opinions on their, their chances of managing that? Um, personally, in terms of modelling, we haven't, we haven't got anything down for that. Not recently anyway. I think a couple of months ago we had it down as, as about... 8% chance of going unbeaten. Uh, it'll probably obviously it'll be it'll be much higher than that now, but you've still got to go to the the Etihad, which will be their um, you know, that that's the main hurdle they've got to overcome. They've got to go to Everton, which is a potential banana skin. Um, and obviously in between all that, they could end up juggling the Champions League if they, if they get start progressing into the further rounds and obviously the FA Cup as well. So I think going unbeaten will determine uh, will be determined by the fixture list and, and what Klopp wants to do. Because to be honest, if you look at, obviously it sounds great on paper going unbeaten over a full season, but um, you know Arsenal went unbeaten and they racked up 85 points and this Liverpool team will, will smash through that barrier and probably through the 100-point barrier. So for me, going unbeaten won't make too much of a difference. I think they'll still be probably the best Premier League team we've ever seen in terms of um, like the results and the, the the streaks that they've they've been on this season, um, eclipsing that Arsenal team, and you know they're, they're they're basically winning every game, which is which is something that you probably only see on you know even if you saw it on Football Manager, you'd probably think that this is so unrealistic, and it's happening in real life. So um, you know whatever happens, this is definitely going to go down as one of the best uh, Premier League title winning seasons ever. Um, like I said, in terms of going unbeaten, it's going to be hugely dictated by the, the fixture list and whether Klopp, when he's got the Premier League in the bag, whether he does start looking at a potential double or, or, or a treble with the FA Cup and the Champions League and, and resting and rotating players, which would obviously mean fielding weaker teams in the uh, in the Premier League, given that they've already got it wrapped up. So it'd be interesting to see what he, what stance he takes on that. But for the time being, I, to be honest, unbeaten would be the last thing on my mind if I was Liverpool, I'd be looking at doing the treble. Well, our next fixture is Everton versus Manchester United. And finally, we can begin to talk about more teams towards the top of the table. It's probably one of the one of the two standout fixtures from the weekend. And had Everton beaten Arsenal at the weekend, it, it might have been more important because they'd only be two points behind Manchester United and in sixth. Instead, they're five points and Everton are now all the way down in 11th. And again, I think that just goes to show how stacked up those teams are below the top three. Um, Manchester United, they... They could be about to, to mount a challenge to top four. They could also be in one of those phases where they get a good couple of results and then do undo their hard work. Um, they got two wins and a draw from games against Wolves, Chelsea and Watford. 
if they do manage to win this one, they'll they'll keep that run going and, and hope to really put pressure on Chelsea in fourth. Despite the gaps between them in the table, Everton have been the better side over the course of the season. They've also got home field advantage. Do you think that's enough for them to offer a value better at 2.59 or, or 38% chance of winning? Absolutely, yeah. Um, like you said, they've been the better team on expected goals over the course of the season. Their underlying process is trending in a really positive direction under Carlo Ancelotti and they've got the home field advantage. So in terms of the 1x2 probabilities, we're, we're giving Everton a 44% chance of getting the win, which represents great value. We're giving the 38% that's on offer. And, you know, it, it's a bet that I like. I think that they are... I mean, first of all, they were really unfortunate against Arsenal last week. And I, I thought they were excellent um, throughout the game. The first half was very even in terms of expected goals. But, you know, that, that sucker punch at the start of the, of the second half from Aubameyang's header, that was the only real chance that Arsenal had in that second half. I think they racked up 0.16 expected goals in the second half with Arsenal. So, uh, while Everton put on nearly uh, over one expected goal. So, they were very, very unfortunate to lose that game, Everton. And it was a, it was the actually the sixth straight game in which the, the Toffees had created more than two expected goals, um, which is, you know, it's a really good run to, for them to be on. And that's why the games are so goal-laden at the minute is because they're creating so many chances in matches. Um, and, you know, that all of that comes from Carlo Ancelotti. He's, 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 you know, as we mentioned, when Marco Silva got sacked, their process was in a decent place. They'd just been unfortunate with the results. Um, but under Ancelotti, their process actually improved. So their attacking process has increased from around 1.8 to 2.3, which is, a, you know, a staggering increase, really. It shows that he's getting the best out of all of his attacking players. Richarlison looked electric against Arsenal. Calvert-Lewin was getting in some great scoring positions. Um, he's been doing that for a long, long a long period of time now. Um, Sidibe looks a real threat down the right-hand side um, as an overlapping fullback. Obviously, when Luca Digne is back in there, he provides the same uh, on the left side. Um, and, you know, they've got some good creativity. But I think that the one thing they've been missing in recent weeks in terms of controlling the football match um, is Andre Gomez. And obviously, he came back from that injury against Arsenal and he played some absolutely sensational passes through to... Um, to you know, to his strikers, and I think he'll be really key for Everton come uh, towards the end of the season because he he not only does he provide that sort of ingenuity and, and that quality, but he actually controls the game and slows things down, speeds it up, and c- controls the tempo of what's going on in and around him. So he'll be a really uh, real key inclusion if he if he starts in this match. It might be a little bit too soon for him, having played um, half an hour against Arsenal, coming off the back of that really bad injury, but. Really impressed with what I'm seeing under uh, from Everton under Carlo Ancelotti. Defensively, they've also improved. It's 1.27 expected goals against, down from 1.4. So, um, you know, everything's pointing in a really positive direction for Everton. They've got a really young uh, core group of players there. Um, you know, if it's not this season that they make Europe, then I think they'd be a decent bet next season if Ancelotti stays around. But they pose a real, really good uh, big threat, and especially at home where um, obviously their, their home form's been pretty good this season seven wins from 13 um yeah it's gonna be a really tough game but obviously the um they, they will be really tough um for Manchester United to cope with because the, the movement up front is sensational uh, and the link up but like you said Manchester United are on a little bit of a roll at the minute they're um seven points from games against Wolves Chelsea um and Watford and surprisingly three clean sheets which is you know probably the most or probably the thing that makes Ole Gunnar Solskjaer the, the, the happiest is keeping the goals out and uh, while also creating decent chances. And yeah, they've rode the luck in, game, in those games. Obviously, the Wolves game, uh, Jimenez and, Hot, and Jota had really good chances and they conceded nearly two expected goals in that game, but somehow managed to keep a clean sheet. Against Chelsea, they um, obviously Batshuayi missed a couple of really big chances. and They racked up over one expected goals. But against Watford, they really did limit um, Nigel Pearson's side well. And you know what? They, they looked a real, really big threat going forward, which um, is something we have not seen very often recently. Uh, I think the change in formation from the, the Chelsea game really worked in their favour. Obviously, played a three at the back against Chelsea with, with uh, Luke Shaw tucking in as a left, left centre-half. Uh, Brandon Williams as a left wing-back. Um, Bruno Fernandes has looked sensational since he's come in and getting him playing in a, in a midfield three against, uh, against Watford and the, being able to advance the ball himself and make runs in beyond definitely got more out of him. Uh, Mason Greenwood looked really good. Dan James looked like he was back to his uh, his very best uh, form that he showed earlier in the season. So everything's looking really positive for United at the moment. Um, 
yeah, the, the main issue I've got with United is, like you said, that the consistency. They, they've not played with any consistency all season. They have hot streak and then a really cold streak. And if they are on one of those hot streaks at the minute, then there'll be a really, really good value bet to get um, three points at, at Everton. But I, I'd probably argue that this is this is the toughest game that they've faced in the last uh, in the last three matches. Yeah, I'd say Everton are, at the moment are a much tougher test than than what Chelsea were. Just given the way they play, they're so direct in the style. They um, they get the ball back to front really quickly, and they they will cause Manchester United problems. Those two up front, Calvert-Lewin and Richardson, are an absolute handful for any defence. I know Maguire and, um, and and Lindelof have been playing well. Obviously, Eric Bailly came in for the Chelsea game and looked like uh, a Rolls Royce doing Cruyff turns in his own six-yard box. Which <laughs> like, who's this bloke? Where have they got him from? Um, but he's um, yeah. If he if he's back in, then obviously that strengthens United because I think he's a marginally better defender than Lindelof. But either way, that Everton will cause plenty of problems. And not only do we think that Everton are, are a value bet in the 1x2, but we actually think siding with goals is the way to go here. Like, I know Manchester United have kept three clean sheets in a row in the Premier League, but I can't see that uh, that them keeping another clean sheet in this game, especially, like I said, given the fact that they have been conceding chances on a regular basis, but been very fortunate not to have conceded. So Everton will take the chances they have been doing recently, um, very, very consistently creating plenty of chances and scoring the goals. So... Both teams to score is, is value at 60%, um, 57% on the market. Over two and a half is even bigger value. We think there's a 58% chance of that happening. And that's just over, uh, just under evens at 51% on the market. So goals and a home win are the value plays in this one. Like I said, I think the main the main play is just to side with Everton. I think they're, they're going to be um, a real... They're going to be a really tough test for, for this Manchester United side, and to be fair, it's, it's a good gauge to see how far Manchester United have come, given the um, you know the talk of their improvement in recent weeks. Yeah, I mean Everton have just been have been a great side to watch recently, haven't they? It's, as you said, the what they've been doing in attack is great, but also I think the the reason they've been so good to watch is that they do look like they can can concede a fair few chances as well. United, as you said, Bruno Fernandez bringing a bit more creativity to the team. Do you think? With Manchester United, it seems like I know they've they've had a few of these little uplifting moments where they do a, a two or three good game run. Um, Rashford isn't there, obviously. Paul Pogba isn't there. I th- I don't know. I have no idea what's going on with Pogba and whether it's a season thing or, or what it might be. But is there a chance that they get better when Pogba comes in, or is Solskjaer now thinking that he wants his team set to to play those final ten games of the season? What what do you think the approach would be? Um, I, th- I think it'd be really interesting if if Pogba was fit because obviously Fernandez has looked uh, looked really good and and I think Pogba and Fernandez in the same team would be very dangerous because both of them are um, really good at advancing the ball in terms of getting the ball from the defenders or from a midfielder and, and putting the team in a better position. So getting them both in the team would be really interesting. It would also make them really attacking, which would. Um, open them up and obviously make them a very exciting team to watch. Uh, I think it, there's obviously something going on there because he's not, he's not what's he played in about five, six, seven games this season, Pogba. So whether it, whether it is um, a really bad injury that, we, that they've sort of brushed over um, or that, that it's worse than what they're letting on, it, I'm not too sure. But obviously there's the, the whole agent issue that's going off in the background and the fact that he wants to move. But if he was fit and available, he would definitely improve Manchester United uh, 100%. And obviously, Scott McTominay is coming back to full fitness. You could argue that he would improve them as well um, as a, a little upgrade on Matic. But Matic has been playing well recently, so it's hard to knock him out of the squad. Odi Nigalo's still yet to get his first start. I think he, from what I've seen of him, I've, I've liked. Uh, and he's, he's only played a handful of minutes. He got five minutes against Chelsea um, and about 20 against Watford. And you know, even his five-minute cameo against Chelsea, I was really impressed. He's absolutely strong as an ox, plays a, a offers a really obvious focal point for your tricky players like James Greenwood, Martial, those guys, kind of players to play off. Um, you know, he, he would give them a, a different dynamic as a proper out-and-out number nine. So, yeah, I think they're in a good place. But like like we've said all season, the consistency has been uh, has been key for them, and it seems as though every time Solskjaer needs a result with to ease the pressure, they, they step the game up and get a result. Obviously, heading into the Chelsea game, it was make or break, really, in terms of the top four hopes. Pretty much must win, and and the, and the players raised the game, got a uh, you know got got the win, and all of a sudden everything's rosy in, in the Manchester United Garden. 
And just quickly on Everton, you mentioned Dominic Calvert-Lewin and how, how good he's been. Does he make the Euros, do you think? Well, I'm a massive fan of his. I, I'd take him, personally, yeah. Um, whether he would go or not is the other question. I think given Southgate's policy of, of, of you know taking younger players, he, he has to be in with a shout. Everyone's talking about Danny Ings, but Calvert-Lewin's not far behind him now in the goals table. Um, and he's playing for a team that's obviously much much better than, uh, slightly better than Southampton. But I think in terms of his all-round game, he's got so much more to bring than, than Danny Ings has because he's, he's a big boy. He's strong. He's, he's really quick in behind. Um, his finishing is massively improved. He's great in the air. Um, for me, yeah, he's got to be on the plane. Right, so final game, Tottenham versus Wolves. And it, it should be another good one, another important one. Tottenham in sixth and Wolves in eighth. Just one point between them and, and both of them having a chance to, to catch Manchester United if they do drop points against Everton. It's another one where it's a bit of role reversal going on because Tottenham have been worse than their results suggest. They're actually a bottom half team based on performances. Wolves, on the other hand, are a fourth and close to being third based on expected goals and have somehow managed to maintain the impressive performances from last season while also doing well in the Europa League. I think if there's any justice in the world of soccer, Wolves will beat Tottenham and both teams will end up closer to where they deserve to be in the league. Do you think that's what we're going to see play out in this game? Yes, yeah. Um, yeah. If there is any justice, that's exactly what will happen. But um, obviously we know that football, soccer, he's just not like that. Um, you can get fortunate wins, uh, as Tottenham proved against Manchester City a couple of weeks ago. So, But, you know, in terms of the, the one-off game, like you said, Wolves have performed like a top four team all season long. Spurs have been bottom half. So um, to see Spurs as, as favourites at 41%, you know, it, I think last season, if they went into this match, They'd have probably been around 48, 49% uh, chance of winning. So the market's a little bit more aware of how bad Spurs are and, and how promising and, and, and how good Wolves are. But Infocol's got this flipped on its head. We, we think that Wolves should be should be 13 to 10 favourites. Uh, we're giving them a 43% chance of getting the win. Um, market's at 30%. So, yeah, we're, we're taking a big stance on Wolves, really. We, we think that they're just much the better team, the better all-rounded team. Um, arguably, we've got the better individuals of, of, of the players that are on the pitch um, throughout the throughout the side. Fullbacks are really impressive. Uh, obviously, you've got the front three of Traore, Jimenez, and Jota. If they all play, that would probably all walk into Tottenham's team at the minute. Um, so yeah, we're, we're taking the stance on on Wolves getting a getting a win. And obviously, they went there last season and, and got the got a three one win, which was fully deserved. And out of left wing uh, to uh, to many people who've watched Tottenham or covered the Premier League, so no reason to think that, that a, um, a repeat is not on the cards. Because, like we've said, all season long, Spurs have been exceptionally poor. They've been on a, a real downward trajectory um, ever since Christmas last year, um, and that hasn't stopped. That hasn't stopped under Jose, under Jose Mourinho. Process under. Um, under Jose is is now at one point four one expected goals for and one point five one expected goals against. So they're actually still at a negative um, process in terms of expected goals. Um, and they were, you know, they continue to look really, really toothless in attack. Obviously, um, double blow. Kane was already out, and now Human Son's out for the rest of the season. That that is a um, you know that's huge blow. That's their two top scorers, their two um, biggest players in terms of goal involvement, um, both out of the picture. And you know the two games since they've looked pathetic, really going forward um, against Leipzig in the Champions League. They were comfortably dominated for the full ninety minutes, um, and against Chelsea last week, you know they, they, Mourinho attempted to park a bus, um, forgot to leave the handbrake on, and basically just the, the defensive idea that he had didn't work, and as a result, they ended up losing comfortably because they couldn't create anything. Um, I see something very similar here. I don't think. I don't think they've got the tools to, to cause Wolves many problems. I think that they are very, very, very weak in attack. We've, we've said for uh, you know season long that the main issue hasn't been taking the chances; it's been creating them. Um, you know that they're, they're not creating enough good chances to win matches. They've been fortunate so far this season to to be where they are, mainly thanks to their defence conceding uh, fewer than would be expected. But in terms of going forward, they are. The worst attacking team in the top half, according to expected goals. That is a major, major issue, and and that's something that something that going forward for the rest of the season, it 
that is the that is the thing that's going to hold Tottenham back. And I think that in terms of the race for the top four or five, they're probably the weakest team in there. Um, I know it's a bold statement, but I would rate Sheffield United uh, as, as a better side than Spurs. I think Wolves are a better side than Spurs. I actually think Everton are a better side as well. Um, and obviously Manchester United. So they're, they're, they're going to face a real uphill battle. I know they're in a, a decent position right now at 40 points. One point behind Manchester United, four points behind Chelsea. But I wouldn't be at all surprised to see them fall away in, into mid-table over the next few weeks, especially given how tight the table is. You know, they're only three points ahead of Burnley. If Burnley get a win at the weekend and Spurs lose, then all of a sudden, um, you know, that they, they could easily be 9 4 10 So, um, yeah, not too much praise for Tottenham at the minute. Um, it hasn't been all season. They've rode the luck big time and, uh, you know, hopefully it catches up with them this weekend given the amount of value that we've got on Wolves um, and the price that they are available at. And Wolves and Nuno have been excellent ever since they joined the Premier League. They've really set the standard for um, for teams promoted from the Championship. They're really difficult to, to break down. They don't concede a lot, of, uh, a lot of good chances in matches. Just 1.25 expected goals against per game. Only Liverpool, Manchester City and Chelsea have better defensive records according to expected goals. Um, and going forward, their attacking process has improved as the season's gone on. I think it was at 1.4 at the start of the season. It's now at 1.8. So they're creating more chances more regularly. Still got the issue of not taking them. Only 38 goals scored. Uh, they should have scored close to 49 according to expected goals. So they're 11 goals shy. Um, but... You know that if they keep doing what they're doing, they'll they'll be winning more matches than than they'll lose. And in terms of expect uh, winning the XG battle, um, they've actually won twenty of twenty seven XG battles this season. So um, as we've said, they're, they're unfortunate to be eighth in the table. They should be in the top four, the fourth best team according to expected goals. Um, and they've lost only one of the last thirteen XG battles uh, in the Premier League, and that came against Liverpool at Anfield. So they're a team that are in great form. They're a team that are winning an XG battle regularly week in week out and usually when you do that you win matches or you, at the very least you don't lose them so um yeah I, there's nothing else to say really i think wolves are the better team i think they'll go to um to the tottenham Hotspur stadium with zero fear looking to put a um you know another really impressive performance in and obviously they had the really comfortable win in the europa league last week in the first leg a four nil victory so that would mean that nuno can afford to rest a few players in the return leg uh, knowing that they're pretty much through so Players should have should be well rested for this as well. No excuses for Wolves not to really go there and, and put on a, a really really impressive display and you know just compound Mourinho's misery. When I asked you at the top of the show for the Leicester game how confident you were of them holding on to a top four spot, so I've now got to ask you if we will play out hypothetically that both fourth and fifth qualify for the Champions League. You've obviously got Chelsea currently in fourth, United in fifth. I mean, whether it's Tottenham, Sheffield United, Wolves, Arsenal, Burnley, if you're talking about fifth, even Everton are still in with a shot there. Who, those two left positions, who do you think gets that Champions League qualification? Um, well, obviously, we in for goal on the, on the expected goals table, we have a, a forecast table, which obviously takes into account the points that you've already accumulated and then simulates the uh, potential expected points from the remaining fixtures. And at the moment, we've got Chelsea in fourth, Manchester United in fifth. Um, which is obviously how they sit. But if I was, from a personal perspective, I'm looking at the fixtures as well. And um, yeah, Spurs have got some really tough fixtures, but they're also fixtures against teams in and around them, which could prove key. They've got Manchester United at home. They've got uh, they've got to go to Sheffield United and they've got Everton at home, uh, Arsenal at home. So they've got most of the, the fixtures against teams that are in and around them. They've got at home, which obviously plays into their, into their hands. But given the limitations going forward in, in attacking areas, it's very hard to make a case for them to um, to jump into those fourth or fifth spots. I think Sheffield United will fall just a little bit short. Um, obviously, they, they had a huge opportunity last week against Brighton to um, to move themselves onto 42 points and, and, and just two points behind Chelsea. Um, I think Wolves, depending on how deep they go in the Europa League, could could start to we could start to see them uh, mixing it up their team up a little bit um, and prioritising that competition. I think Arsenal will be way out of it. Uh, I've still not seen too much that I like from Arsenal under Arteta. Um, as for Everton, I think their fixture list is a little bit too hard and they've got a lot of points uh, and ground to make up. So, yeah, I think I think the way that Infocol's got it at the minute, Chelsea fourth, Manchester United fifth, is probably how how I'd say it's going to go. I think Wolves are the, probably the team that can push uh, push them the closest. Um, they've, just, they've been the most consistent. They've lost the least amount of games. 
you know, they've only lost six times this season, which is uh, quite impressive. Only Manchester, only Liverpool have lost fewer fewer games in the Premier League this season than Wolves, so they, they don't lose often, which means that this, you know, the points tallies t- ticks up and ticks up. Um, but yeah, I don't give too much hope for for Tottenham given their current predicament and the and the process of what what we've seen. So yeah, the, I'd probably have to go with Chelsea, Manchester United as as, the, as a four and five at the moment. Well, there we go. Some great games this weekend. Obviously, we're missing two from the fixture list, but plenty there that, that could have implications at either end of the table. Some some great insight from yourself, as always, Jake. Thanks for coming on to, to help our listeners find value in the weekend's fixtures. Oh, thanks for having me again. And thanks to everyone for listening. If you want more information on InfoGold, then visit InfoGold.net, follow at InfoGold app on Twitter and download the app on iTunes and Android. You'll find all the latest odds for game week 28 of the Premier League on Pinnacle.com. Best of luck with any bets and please remember to always gamble responsibly. 